0: Fired up. Deep breath. Let's get effort. I think this is going to give us a good bumper here. We're just going to go like hell. And more, you need to go like hell. Bumper, bumper, bumper! Go there, go! It's pretty good right now. Go, go, go! All you got now. Oh, he just wrecked us. Just you and him, bud. Man, see good morning race fans it is tuesday march 23rd 2021 and you are tuned into hard charging my name is Mike Bachman, and today is episode six of this NASCAR podcast. And we are dropping the hammer every Tuesday during the NASCAR season. On today's episode, we're breaking down the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 from Atlanta Motor Speedway. And despite Kyle Larson's dominance, it was Ryan Blaney who took home the checkered flag. We'll talk about the top finishers. We'll talk about the Craggson Hemrick feud from the Xfinity race, and we'll catch you up on the latest news and celebrate the legacy of Janet Guthrie in honor of Women's History Month. We have a lot. To discuss on today's episode, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's fire the engines. A couple of housekeeping notes, as always, before we get this show started, we have the YouTube channel, it's up and running. And in case you are watching on YouTube, you will notice we got a new background right now, and I changed up the uh, the camera angle here just so that you can see all this goodness behind me. If you're wondering what that goodness is, be sure to head over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Let's get to 50 subscribers. Really, really appreciate the support. We are uploading podcast segments. Going to be uploading some exclusive content on there as well, and we're up and running on our social media platforms. You can connect with me on Twitter at MVBachman, B-A-C-H-M-A-N-N. My DMs are open if you want to talk NASCAR. We're talking NASCAR. On the daily over there. And we're also on TikTok at Mike B-A-C-H. And we're uploading segments up there as well and some extra content on TikTok. And of course, we are here every Tuesday doing the podcast during the 2021 NASCAR season. Let's get this show started because we had the race from Atlanta Motor Speedway this past weekend. And I think I'm going to start with going over the top finishers because this race wasn't necessarily Terribly eventful, as we know, Atlanta, one of the more grittier surfaces on the NASCAR schedule. So let's start with the top finishers for t- today's episode, because for the most part, positions one through five were typically the same. And then from about six to about 12th, 13th, 14th, we had a mixed bag. And we'll talk about that mixed bag and some of the surprise drivers that we continue to see uh, perform well on these mile and a half. But I want to start with Ryan Blaney, because Ryan Blaney ultimately getting the win here at Atlanta. And Ryan Blaney has sort of uh, written this narrative in his own career where we're so used to Ryan Blaney winning one race a year, whether that's you know a race that doesn't necessarily or a race that Ryan Blaney didn't necessarily uh, deserve to win. And then we also see Ryan Blaney have much problem uh, with closing out races and this team closing out races. So Ryan Blaney now, you know, this is another race. And I look back at the charlotte roval back a few years ago where he was in the right place at the right time after martin truex jr and jimmy johnson in the final chicane got in a little scrap and then i look at the past couple of talladega races you know ryan blaney just squeaking out those wins by just a couple of inches so ryan blaney driver for team Penske, you know very very talented young driver this is the earliest in his career that he's won a race in race 6 last year race 13 in talladega was the earliest but Uh, Now with this number here, so setting him up for success here to make some more progress and to possibly capture some more wins because this team definitely has to. But Blaney was fast all day, ran top three basically all day and was in the right place at the right time. But the big story here, of course, is Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson dominated this race at Atlanta basically from the start, uh, led over 250 laps at that point, swept both stages uh but Kyle Larson failing to get the win I believe it's the fifth time in his career where he swept both stages of a race but failed to win the race and i mean this thing came down to the last 10 laps you know Kyle Larson trying to get through some lap traffic Ryan Blaney was hard charging uh right there in second place but Kyle Larson you know for the for most of this race he was really the only car that can hook the bottom as good as anybody getting those left those left side tires on the bottom and really making that car stick but it just seemed to fall off there at the end. Something didn't seem right. Uh, whether it was going through lap traffic, obviously a lot of people point to the whole incident, uh, whether it wasn't even an incident, but you know the whole situation with Joey Logano, Joey Logano being uh, a lapped car, sort of helping his teammate Blaney out in a way, possibly breaking Kyle Larson's momentum, breaking his line, uh, allowing Ryan Blaney to go back. But you can't put that fault on Logano because Kyle Larson's car just fell off. I mean, this guy at a point in this race, had over a 10-second lead to second place. I mean, it was a blowout. So the fact that Ryan Blaney was able to overtake uh, Kyle Larson was really, really impressive. And Kyle Larson, man, this one definitely has to sting for that team, but still extremely dominant on these mile-and-a-halves. This team has to be encouraged with the speed that they have with Hendrick Motorsports across the board because Alex Bowman getting his season-high finish of of the season so far with a third place. A uh, very very good run for that 48 team. Hopefully they can get some momentum going forward. And then Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch. Uh, basically, you know Kyle Busch had to overcome from a from a pit road penalty, so he was able to salvage a top five. So good to see them. And now let's talk about some of these mixed bag drivers here from from around sixth. To 12th we have austin Dillon. austin Dillon, man uh has really proven to be uh, quite the wheelman at these mile and a halfs with this package so a top 10 for that team uh, really really nice to see and also got to talk about chris busher and rouse fenway racing because it wasn't even just chris busher uh, ryan newman had a very very nice run as well but we saw this speed from chris busher at homestead miami a few weeks ago where he won stage one the finish doesn't show it uh, but chris busher had a lot of speed and again same narrative here at Atlanta. This team was running borderline top 10 all day, uh, able, to, able to hang with some of these big boys. Ryan Newman was there as well, getting a solid top 15 finish. Uh, but Chris busher has been a story this year, been a, been a big surprise. Uh, but with Jimmy Fanning overseeing the entire operations there over there at Roush Fenway Racing, overseeing their Super Speedway program, we talked about this. Uh, it's no surprise to see Roush Fenway Racing. Raceway- Roush Fenway Racing make these improvements uh, so quickly. So we'll see if it continues to carry over, uh, but it's definitely something that we're going to have to watch because they are making some consistent moves over there at Roush Fenway Racing. Also want to talk about a guy, Matt Benedetto. he put together a pretty good run, uh, was able to accumulate some valuable stage points, which is what this team needs, obviously in this big hole, uh, and especially with all of the su- surprise winners and with six different winners in six different races, we're already a sixth. Uh, sixth way through the season with 30 races left. So the narrative continues with these different winners. So these uh, points are so valuable for these guys, especially like Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, So great to see him run up front as well. And got to talk about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. again, hovering around the top 10 basically all day. Was able to come away with a 12th place finish. JTG Doherty Racing using Hendrick Power. No surprise to see JTD Doherty or JTG Doherty Racing uh, up there at battling for a top 10. You know, it's the same narrative every single week at these mile and a half. And it's no surprise to see these guys uh, up there. And I want to shout out Daniel Suarez as well with Team Trackhouse. They uh, put themselves in a great position and were running top 10 For most of the day and, you know, wasn't able to really put together the finish for it. But Daniel Suarez, this team's got to be encouraged with the runs that they've had, especially here at Atlanta and them, too. They use RCR power. Austin Dillon had a great run at Atlanta here and has shown speed on these mile and a half both last year and early this year. So can track house sort of use some of that momentum uh, to go forward? Because obviously the story is always going to be 2311 Racing and Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin, but got to give some love to Team Trackhouse and what they've been able to put together here because, you know, all the eyes were on uh, 2311 Racing. So to see Team Trackhouse run top 10, you know, challenge with the big boys, be able to run up there is really, really encouraging and got to give the credit to them. Uh, Justin Marks, Daniel Suarez, Pitbull, all those guys putting together that ride. Really, really great to see. And hopefully they could ride some of that going into deeper parts of the season we will see where we will see where that takes them but it was Ryan Blaney the Penske showman here at Atlanta but some of these vets man did not show up and I'm looking at the entire uh, rest of the Penske lineup Joey Logano Brad Keselowski just from the start was not able to put together a complete race Joey Logano caught himself a lap down was running you know Fifteenth, sixteenth, basically all day. Brad Keselowski fell off early on; didn't really have the speed, and then unfortunately got into a little bit of a scrap. Uh, The front nose got a little bit indented in that car and hurt that hurt hurt their day. Caught themselves a lap down. He was my pick to win. I've just whiffed on my picks the past two weeks. Kyle Busch last week, Brad Keselowski this week. You know, Uh, so got to get back on the right track. But uh, you know, Team Penske they shouldn't be too worried. Uh, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, seasoned vets. Uh, They will definitely be winning races this year. But Ryan Blaney, uh, encouraging to see that team in victory lane. Great to see team body armor in in victory lane. So congratulations to Ryan Blaney. Hopefully they can ride some of this momentum going forward. But we got to also talk about Stuart Haas Racing, man, because uh, I want to talk about Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick, uh, quote, drove the biggest pile of crap at Atlanta, but still finished uh, higher than his SHR teammates. You know, Kevin Harvick able to salvage a 10th place finish driving the biggest uh, POS car that he has ever driven at Atlanta. Uh, you know, really, really is shocking. And it just goes to show, I think, where Stuart Haas Racing is right now because Eric Almirola was nowhere to be found. Eric Almirola last year put together his string of nine straight top 10 finishes last year. Uh, majority, majority of them on mile and a half. And we haven't been able to see the speed out of this 10 car. He, too, is in a big... Uh, points hole he's currently tied with 26th with his teammate Chase Briscoe who just has been non-existent and irrelevant as well as a rookie despite how talented he is uh, and then Cole Custer as well the sophomore driver you know got his win at Kentucky last year but still trying to figure out just how good Cole Custer is in that 41 car but Stuart Oss Racing over the past few years I mean not even that just this year I mean Kevin Harvick last year you know a, an, an amazing season with the nine-win season last year and then falling off at the end. You know, Stuart Haas Racing kind of not able to bounce back from their late season woes last year. Is it concerning? I think so, because Kevin Harvick, as I've mentioned, is on an island of his own at SHR. Eric Amaral is the number two, and he's a guy that he doesn't he doesn't win races, you know? So I am concerned for Stuart Haas Racing. I'm not really sure where they're gonna go from here. But it is concerning, especially with uh, the talent and the speed that Hendrick Motorsports has brought. And especially with some of these mid-tier teams, you got Rouse Fenway Racing putting together consistent top 10 runs at these mile and a halves. Austin Dillon putting together consistent top 10 runs on these mile and a half. So you got these mid-tier teams that are really making some noise. And SHR is nowhere to be found here in 2021. So I am concerned. And I think we should be going forward. But those are some of your top finishers from Atlanta Motor Speedway, and like I said, this race was not terribly eventful. You know, for the most part, it was a it was mostly run under green flag conditions. Uh, we did have a couple of cautions that did play into a little bit of the strategy game. Obviously, with how abrasive this surface is and how much it eats tires, uh, you know, we were going to see the heavy tire fall off, and that could have you know played into played into some strategy. Uh, but there really was none. It was a Kyle Larson dominant race. And you know it was shocking to see him lose this race, man. It really, really was, with how dominant this car was all freaking day. And then you know last ten laps, and Ryan Blaney's able to overtake him. But uh, we, you know, Atlanta's a really, really good track. It really is. Uh, you know, people look at the surface, and you know, there's going to be a time where we're going to have to repave this track. Hasn't been repaved since 1996, uh, so it's going to lose its identity. You know, the the racing surface is atlanta motor speedway's identity so there are talks there have been talks of possibly renovating this track uh you know could they possibly do something like auto club speedway is doing converting that track into a short track you know possibly but i do think that atlanta motor speedway getting repaved does lose its identity it's going to have to at some point because you know that track surface is just going to get way too worn out and it's going to be impossible to drive Uh, But for now, you know, I still am a fan of Atlanta Motor Speedway. I really, really am. So hopefully, you know, we're able to see uh, a little bit more of a better race in the summer. Um, And also with that, you know, we talk about these 500 mile races and these endurance races, you know, and there are two sides to that story as well. So, you know, for me, as a as a diehard NASCAR fan, you know, there's something to appreciate about these endurance races, because a guy like Kevin Harvick had a flat tire early, drove a crap car, still was able to salvage a 10th place finish. It was able to stay on the lead lap and was able to fight his way back up there. So it really shows the resilience of these teams and of these drivers to really be able to perform well. And, you know, it is tough to watch a drawn out three and a half hour, four hour race sometimes. But from an appreciation standpoint and just from a team perspective, it really is cool seeing how these teams can work their cars and use that information to make their car better throughout this race and throughout these races. So should the Coca-Cola 600 be the only race that is above 500 miles that's on a mile and a half, you know, being that it is a crown jewel, it definitely would add more emphasis to that and add, I think, more importance to that. The race at Atlanta over the summer is going to be a 400 miler. So that'll definitely be a little bit of a breath of fresh air for a lot of fans, uh, especially after this race was a little bit, a little bit of a snooze fest. Uh, So, you know, that debate is still going to be talked about. But for me, you know, I value how these teams can work on these cars, because that's all about the sport. That's a large part of this game, right? All, All about how teams can strategize to make their car better throughout the race. So that for me, you know, I still like to see these 500 mile races, despite the nature of them and how they could be. But I do value how these teams work. And it's something to be appreciated. And it's something that should not go unnoticed uh for sure so we'll continue to talk about it and you know I think we will get to a point where there won't be 500 mile races a mile and a half just because of you know our habits as people nowadays and you know it's it's hard enough to sit through a two and a half hour sporting event let alone a three and a half hour four four hour NASCAR event uh, especially for new fans that you know not don't maybe not a Maybe don't understand, you know, what goes into the what goes into uh, running the full race. So we'll see where it takes us. But for now, that's my opinion on that. So all in all, pretty, pretty good weekend. Uh, I will say this. It was so awesome to see all those fans in the stands, obviously abiding by uh, COVID protocols in the state of Georgia. uh, But one thing in particular, it was so awesome seeing the amount of families at the track And all of the youngsters that were there, really, really awesome to see all the families out there bringing their kids, uh, showing the love for the sport of NASCAR and getting them hooked early. You know, we've seen NASCAR try and target this new generation, this new demographic, especially of young kids uh, and the younger generation, especially on social media. We see that it is completely evident. So it really, really is great to see these families, these parents bring their young kids to these races Uh, and have a great time man it's really really awesome so great to see fans back in the stands uh, and hopefully you know we'll be able to continue to see that down the road as we get into the summer months and then you hopefully come playoff time who knows who knows who knows where we'll be by then Uh, but obviously still everything under covid protocols, abiding by the rules obviously once we get through this pandemic we'll be able to uh, fully enjoy these races as intended, but nonetheless, awesome to see those fans in the stands, especially those young kids and Ryan Blaney. just another thing that I love about Ryan Blaney when he, you know, giving the flag to to the young fans is really, really awesome. And just another incredible reason why I love this sport. Uh, so all in all pretty, pretty good weekend. Um, from Atlanta. And I have to congratulate this week's winner of the hard charging award. It goes to Daniel Suarez, who passed the most cars at Atlanta this past weekend, 115 green flag passes for that 99 car and team Trackhouse. So congratulations to Daniel Suarez for becoming the sixth winner of the hard charging award. With that said, I now want to backtrack to an event that happened in the Xfinity race that we will be talking about. And this is the feud between Noah Gregson and Daniel Hemrick. Now, in case you missed it, let's just catch you up to speed on what exactly happened uh, during this Xfinity race. So uh, Noah Gregson was caught up in an early scrap, kept the car competitive for most of the race. Uh, And then we had a car that missed its pit box, which forced Daniel Hemrick, who was behind uh, Noah Gregson's pit box to slide in to Gregson's pit box. Noah Gregson uh, really did not appreciate that. I don't know if Gregson uh, was aware of the car behind Hemrick that was in Hemrick's box that had to back up. Uh, so it was basically just a chain reaction uh, of cars just missing their pit boxes. So after that, Hemrick, Hemrick backs into his pit box. Noah Gregson goes around. Hemrick pulls in, backs up into Hemrick's, uh, into Hemrick's car during live green flag pit stops. Daniel Hemrick did not appreciate that either. And after the race, Hemrick and Gregson throw haymakers, man. Uh, so the one thing that I want to talk about is, you know, was NASCAR in the right of not penalize, because of not penalizing anybody because no driver was penalized. And, you know, I want to look at both sides of this story because it's really tough to determine. There's not much hard evidence to really look at. Uh, to really determine whether Gregson uh, backing into Hemrick on pit road was intentional or not. Gregson's bumper did make contact with the front end of Daniel Hemrick's car, but uh, the tires on on Gregson's car still remained in his pit box. And that's the one caveat. You know, typically when NASCAR looks at these situations, pitting outside of your pit box, your tires are outside of your pit box. If your your back bumper's out there, Uh, typically no fault. Um, It did cut it close, but With all things considered, Gregson's tires were still located inside of his pit box. Scott Miller, NASCAR senior vice president of competition, said that the incident was reviewed after a post-race consultation with Gregson at the series officials hauler. And this is what uh, Scott Miller had to say after the race, said, quote, we reviewed the incident, which occurred between the nine and the 18 cars on pit road during Saturday night's race at Atlanta Motor Speedway and met with Noah Gregson after the event. A chain reaction of events led to the 18 and 9 both overshooting their pit stalls. The 9 ended up both long and out of his pit box to the outside and needed to back up as far as possible to have any chance at fully pulling into his box. After reviewing the video, it is our judgment that the contact was not deliberate. No penalties to Gregson, Hemrick, or any of the team or crew members that were involved in this physical altercation. And, you know, Noah Gregson... Has developed this personality of being scrappy, both on the track and off the track. He drives very aggressively. We we know that, and you know he's had his share of physical altercations in the past, and it's you know becoming almost normal to see Noah Graxton in these altercations week in and week out. To be honest, Uh, I like Noah Graxton. I love his tenacity. I love you know the controversy that surrounds him. You know it. It, it gives us these stories. And, you know, it's, it's, it's great for us to be able to commentate on it. But honestly, you know, after reviewing this, it seemed like it was uncalled for, you know, especially because of how dangerous pit road is. People don't realize how dangerous live green flag pit stops are, you know, because one little slip and, you know, guys could get hurt really, really badly. So, you know, it could have, depending on where Hemricks team was in the pit stop. I mean someone could have got crunched between Hemricks' bumper and the front bump or the front bumper of Hemrick and the back of Noah Gregson. And we've seen guys get crunched and get and get, you know, seriously hurt. Ryan Blaney's crew member uh, a few years ago or maybe even a year ago, I can't I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, got crunched in between a car and, and hurt his leg really badly. So, you know, these guys, they're athletes. Most of these pit crew members are former whether it be NFL players or former just former professional athletes you know so these these guys and girls are badasses on pit road and they don't get enough credit uh, for putting their lives in danger because you know unaware of what can happen they're so focused on getting their job done for their team so you know Noah Gregson at the end of the day did put Daniel Hemrick's team in danger he really did and you know Atlanta Motor Speedway itself, its pit road is extremely narrow, so you know the room for error is even is even more emphasized there uh, just how calculated and just how uh how perfect these pit stops need to be so. You know, with all that in consideration, it'll be interesting to see where these two drivers go from there. Uh, we did see a couple birds being flipped from Gregson. I'm not sure if Hemrick was able to was able to get one out there himself. Uh, but that definitely could show definitely, you know, shows some intention. And that's as hard of evidence as we have as far as the intention to back into Hemrick there. Um, but you know, it's just very difficult to determine. But just being that it is Noah Gregson, you know, that controversy that surrounds him uh people will be quick to judge you know just exactly what happened but I think right here you know this situation definitely was uncalled for I don't think NASCAR should penalize drivers for fighting I think fighting on pit road is awesome you can disagree with me with that if you want but that's my hot take I've, I mean look the excitement that we get I mean obviously drivers you know putting themselves in Har's way and beating up on each other is probably not what we want but come on a nice little scrap a nice little fight on pit road Come on, that gets the fans going. That gets the adrenaline pumping. I mean, that's that we like to see it. There's no denying it. You know, you, if, if, if someone gives you the option to see a fight on pit road or not, you're going to want to see the fight on pit road. I mean, it's just, it's just what makes the sport more exciting. And, you know, we're able to see the personality of these drivers now, because we talk about all these young drivers and how much they're like dry toast. And so Noah Gregson being this, you know, outgoing personality and this passionate personality, it's good for NASCAR. But at some point, We need to pump the brakes on it, and this is one of those situations where it's just putting the crew members in danger on pit road during the green flag pit stops I just thought was uncalled for. But again, it's difficult to determine just with the lack of hard evidence that we have whether it was intentional or not. Uh, So the debate will continue to be uh, will continue to be talked about. And like I said, we'll see where these two drivers go from there uh, in the weeks to come. And now I have to talk about Bristol Dirt. The time has come, ladies and gentlemen, we're going dirt track racing at Bristol this, unco- uh, this upcoming weekend, and I'm just going to be straight about this. I really haven't talked about Bristol dirt. I've been kind of saving it for today's episode, uh, you know, the week, before the, the week before the race, and I'm just going to tell you straight as to how I feel about this. I personally think it's a terrible idea. I really think it is a terrible idea because number one. NASCAR's compromising a date at the best track on the schedule by just throwing dirt on it. If NASCAR wanted to run a dirt race, there are so many historic dirt tracks out there that could massively benefit from a NASCAR-sanctioned event. We had the Camping World Truck Series race race at, race at Eldora. Uh, over the past few years, Eldora now going to the Superstar Racing Experience. Isn't it ironic that NASCAR is not racing there in 2021? This is another debate that I've been really thinking about. That maybe I'll talk about next week uh, on the show. Is this whole idea of NASCAR possibly being threatened by the Superstar Racing Experience? So maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll make a vi- maybe I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll make a video on that on the YouTube channel later this week uh, discussing that because I really think that there's some correlation with that um but uh not to go on a tangent you know why they had to throw dirt on bristol is beside me because bristol is if you ask a lot of people in the nascar community what their favorite tracks is it's usually martinsville bristol or one of the super speedways or one of the road courses right uh so bristol being one of my favorite tracks you know throwing dirt on it compromising a date just seems wrong. And honestly, it just seems desperate because number two, I understand that NASCAR wants to shake up the schedule. We've been calling fans have been calling for NASCAR to shake up the schedule and they did this year. But this move just seems to be a little desperate. You know, I hear people saying that we just need another spectacle on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule and in the NASCAR in the NAS on the NASCAR schedule. And it's like NASCAR took away a spectacle for this year's schedule. They took away the Brickyard 400 from Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the traditional motor speedway. Don't tell me that the race is a snooze fest because you know what? You're right. More times than not, it is. But at the end of the day, it's a crown jewel in the history surrounding Indianapolis Motor Speedway and what it means to kiss the bricks and just tampering with that tradition. And now you're going to say that NASCAR needs another spectacle, but you removed a spectacle. I mean, give me a break. That does not make sense to me. And number three, I think this is a perfect example of prioritizing ratings over the on-track product. I sound like a broken record. You know, that's the one, that's my big knock on NASCAR over the past few years is that they're, I think they're prioritizing entertainment over the actual product. Nobody knows what's going to happen this weekend. Nobody, not even the drivers. You know, we'll get a hint of it during the qualifiers and obviously during the Trucks and Xfinity races, uh, but for the Cup Series qualifiers, especially and in practice, it's great that they're having practice this weekend uh, for these guys. But, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. They're just kind of going into it. Uh, and I th- if this race flops, I really think it's going to be an embarrassment because not every driver grows up racing on dirt. You know, we all expect Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, even Chase Briscoe, you know, to be the big dogs this weekend because they race on dirt all the time and they're so used to, you know, the nature of that of, of that track surface. You know, and the other thing as well, dirt races are not 250 laps, man. So how's the surface going to hold up with all of these events happening over the weekend? You know, how is the weight of... The trucks, the trucks, the Xfinity cars, and the Cup Series cars, how is the weight of those cars, you know, going to affect the surface? And how is it gonna really pack in that dirt? Is it gonna turn into, you know, a typical possibly straight up Bristol race because of how packed the dirt can get? You know, I'm not sure. Uh I hope that this race is a gem. I hope it's the best decision that Fox and NASCAR has ever made. I I, I, I pray that this race uh, lives up to expectations. I don't know what those expectations are because I don't have any, um, but I'm going to try and go into this race with an open mind. I really am, even though I'm very fixated on this idea that this race is just going to flop, um, but I really hope I'm wrong. And, you know, this year I've been wrong a lot. I've, I whiffed on Kyle Larson. You know Kyle Larson looks like the best dri- is right now the best driver in NASCAR. Uh, so, you know if you've watched my playoff predictions, you know I whiffed on Kyle Larson. Uh, so I hope I whiff on this one. I really do. But you know if this race flops, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna own it and say I told you so. Uh, but someone please change my mind, okay? Please change my mind. My DMs are open on Twitter. Someone please give me a reason to be excited about this weekend, please. Uh, I really, really want to. You know, I just have my reservations, obviously, but I'm gonna go into it with an open mind. You know, we'll see how the qualifiers go, we'll see what the what the track conditions are like. But man, it just seems like a desperate move from Fox and NASCAR just to prioritize the ratings of this Bristol date. Because in years past they seem to be down a slip, you know, as most ratings in NASCAR. But could this be a could this be a needle in the haystack? Could this be a secret gem? You know. We'll see. But uh, as I sit here right now, you know, I just think I just don't think that it makes sense. But someone please change my mind. Someone please change my mind. I would love to hear what you guys have to think about the Bristol dirt and what your expectations are for this weekend. So with that said, let's now look ahead to tomorrow. That's right. Tomorrow. The eNASCAR Pro Invitational Series returns tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern on FS1 from Bristol Dirt. They're running about five races this year at the Pro Invitational Series. I know Dale Jr. is going to be racing. I'm sure we're going to be getting some other familiar faces there. But really, really awesome. It's going to be great for the platform iRacing uh, to have these events as well. And definitely looking forward to that. You know, When NASCAR implemented that last year when uh, the COVID pandemic first hit, what an idea. And you know, just what a fun laid back uh you know broadcast it was. A lot of fun, so really, really excited to see that. That is tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern on FS1. And of course, we have a full weekend of action across all three national series from Bristol Dirt with the cup race kicking off Sunday, 3:30 PM Eastern on Fox. And again, please hit me up on Twitter and uh, make me excited about this weekend. I would love to hear what you guys think and what your expectations are. But that's going to do it for me. Thank you all so much for tuning into episode six. I'd love to hear your thoughts, of course, on Twitter. Talking NASCAR on the daily over there. As mentioned, my DMs are open. Would love to hear what you guys think. Uh, The link to that as well as the YouTube channel, all that good stuff will be in the description of this episode and every episode. And be sure to check out all the content we've got Uh, publishing here with the Hard Charging brand. Really, really excited about it as we're getting further along into the NASCAR season. Really looking forward to seeing what we can do here as we continue to build this podcast and build this brand. And with that said, let's now close the show with this week's motivation. And while this is a NASCAR podcast, the Hard Charging brand is about living life to the fullest and really, you know, emphasizing what it means to be hard charging. And I've decided that throughout the month of March, we will highlight a woman in NASCAR for Women's Appreciation Month. And last week we highlighted Brianna Daniels. This week, I want to honor the legacy of Janet Guthrie. Guthrie became the first woman to qualify for both the Indy 500 and the Daytona 500, the Super Bowls of American Motorsports. She posted the best finish by a woman in NASCAR's Cup Series with a sixth-place finish effort at Bristol Motor Speedway. And Guthrie is now etched in history after she was elected into the International Women's Sports Hall of Fame as well as the International Motorsports Hall of Fame. Pioneers like Janet Guthrie have opened doors for women across motorsports and her legacy lives on forever. Above all else, ladies and gentlemen, keep your foot to the floor, leave the BS out the door, and I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Uh, We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see what we have to talk about next Tuesday. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Hope you guys are as well. And as always, I appreciate the support across all these platforms. Uh, Really, really awesome to see. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Hope you stay safe. This is Mike Bachman signing off.